said to my wife back then, you know, I think we should keep a tank and she was well up for it. Soon after that, I got given the Amano book. I got it for Christmas and I opened it and I was like, wow, that's what I want to do. And that was, that was it. Yeah, everything changed. Under the rest is history. My name is George Farmer. I'm from the UK. I am a self-employed professional aquascaper. So it's kind of my job to aquascape, which is very cool. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 19 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. And joining Sean and I today is one of the most influential aquascapers in the entire world. If you are into aquascaping at all, you already know who he is. He doesn't need an introduction. With us today is George Farmer. George, what interest did you have well before you discovered aquascaping? What were some of your interests maybe as a child or outside of aquascaping? That's an interesting question. I think I've always had quite a close relationship with nature. I've always been fascinated by animals and plants, and I've always loved playing outside and enjoying scenery and things like that. Uh, I much prefer to be, you know, in, like, in a rural landscape than in a cityscape. In terms of hobbies, I kind of like model making and things like that, but I was actually I was really rubbish at them. And I like drawing and I like music, but again, I was no good at playing instruments or no, not no particular talent at art or anything like that. When did you get involved with photography? Was it after you were into aquascaping, or was it before? Um, that's a re- that's a really interesting point as well because I've always been interested in photography. I've always been fascinated with capturing a moment in time, and so I had a background interest in in photography before I started aquascaping but aquascaping kind of forced me to really look at it seriously and yeah I'm almost as passionate about photography as I am aquascaping. Have you spent more money in aquascaping or photography? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, In the early days uh, probably aquascaping because I made so many mistakes like so many other people and I only had a point and shoot camera so definitely the aquascaping side and then gradually as I learned more about aquascaping and I learned you know, from my mistakes, uh, learn how to keep plants alive, learn to buy the right equipment, then obviously spending less money and actually make starting making money from aquascaping. And then that gave me the sort of the ability to buy more photography equipment. So started off with aquascaping being more expensive and then soon turned the other way around. I was in the RAF for 14 years, so I was a weapons technician. I thought playing with bombs and missiles and stuff would be quite interesting. So, so that's kind of the trade I went into, and obviously that's quite a uh, an in-depth trade to learn. So anything from bomb disposal to servicing ejection seats, you know, that, that was my trade. And the trade training itself lasted 18 months. That, that was before you were even allowed to actually do, you know, real work, if you like. I also went to um, a military boarding school. Um, my dad was in the army. Uh, he was a very strict father figure, if you like, and he taught me a lot of uh, discipline. And I guess, yes, I've carried that forward into my aquascaping. So things like attention to detail, uh, being rigorous with water changes, uh, fertilization, um, all all things that really help make a successful aquascaper and a successful aquascape, if you like, uh, sticking to a routine and not letting things slip by the wayside if you can help it. So, yeah. As far as aquascaping in styles, what's your own personal favorite style? Uh, well, without a doubt, nature aquarium. So classic uh, Amano, 
So this is an interesting topic. So a classic Amano I see as still quite plant-heavy, but also obviously a lot of hardscape. And, and the hardscape for me is always the backbone of the layout. And so, yes, I, I love to use rocks and words. I, I love the Ilgumi as well, so obviously just the rocks. But I, I do love using plants as well. Uh, I rely quite heavily on the plants to, to support the aquascape. So, yes, Nature Aquarium style without a doubt. I, I've pretty much tried every style there is. I've even done reef as well. Um, and I always fall back to my to my kind of uh, my mainstay, which, which is the classic Nature Aquarium style. I think a lot of people have seen, or at least I've seen a lot of your, uh, a lot of scapes you've done that are very minimalistic. And I think a lot of hobbyists do struggle with, even I would say myself, is staying disciplined in, in keeping a scape minimalist and executing it well. I mean, that's really challenging and people wouldn't think it is so difficult. Do you have any tips or, or things that you keep in mind when you're doing a scape like that? Yeah, I think... I think relying on good materials to start with. So um, I can't emphasize enough how important it is, is to invest in, in good hardscape materials. So one of the sort of jobs I do is for Practical Fish Keeper magazine and I do shop tours. And so one of the first things I do is, is look at the hardscape selection. So most people shoot straight to the fish, whereas I go straight to the wooden rocks. Uh, just collect it uh, and, and hoard it. You know, if you've got a garage or you, you you know your partner doesn't mind you storing stuff in the in the garden, then you know I've, I've got quite a big collection I've gathered over the years. Yeah, so hardscape is definitely important, and also have a vision. Uh, have a vision in your mind. And don't be afraid to kind of use other people as an influence. There's nothing wrong with copying, especially as a beginner. There's nothing wrong with copying another aquascape. Uh, you learn from it, you'll gain confidence, and then you can kind of go your own way after that. And, and, and in terms of the discipline and keeping in keeping it minimal, it is really tempting just to, you know, I'll put another plant in. I've got I've got access to this plant. I'll try this plant out. You know, just because you've got the extra stuff to use doesn't mean you should use them. So have have that vision stick to it uh, and see it through as well and if it doesn't work out as you intended then no harm done you know you've you've practiced you've learned and then you can use those lessons and carry them forward and, and improve on it do you see that in beginners a lot of people trying to just maybe overdo it when they should maybe just simplify it more yeah, that's a good point. And there's lots of elements to, to making to making aquascaping more complicated. So you, you've got the visual element, you've got the aesthetic element. So if we talk about that first, um, I think if you stick to a simple theme, so if you have an idea in your mind what you like, think, but then 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 keep it simple. Don't I say hard with hardscape more is more. It is true, um, but in terms of wooden rocks you know, don't necessarily use more than one type in, in the same aquascape. So keep a certain theme, keep, keep that vision in mind. Think about things like the rule of thirds, so compositional guidelines. A lot of beginners don't tend to get enough height in their, in their hardscape. So, you know, a simple, a simple rule is try to get that main focal point um, two-thirds up, you know, vertically up in the aquascape to get some height in there. And the little tricks like for final photography, it, if you haven't got that extra height, just lower the water level, for instance, to gain that height. So that's oh, a little, interesting, yeah. little tip for you. So that's kind of the aesthetics to an extent. And then there's the real kind of area for pitfalls and potential dramas is <laughs> things like the fertilization, the lighting, CO2, and getting that and getting that balance. And that and that's where 
a lot of beginners get very confused uh, and they end up chasing certain figures. I'm a great believer in keeping it simple. Just try to get enough light to grow the most demanding plant in that tank. Don't go more than you need to. As you get more experience, you can kind of just tell. But for beginners, I understand it is tricky. There's really powerful LEDs out there now, which actually might be a little bit too powerful for beginners. So that's lighting, you know, it's obviously the most important aspect. You know, one of the, I would say one of the biggest mistakes for beginners is too much light um, these days. And then you've got CO2, which is another really in-depth topic. I know you guys have covered it in some depth already. I don't actually test for CO2 anymore. I very rarely even use a drop checker. That's just because I've had so much experience. But, you know, the drop checker way forward is is ideal as a, as a baseline. I would recommend beginners to try the 4 degree KH drop checker method. And then fertilisation, that's another really kind of com- potentially complex topic. Um, people trying to chase certain nutrient figures, trying to hit a nitrate of so-and-so, a phosphate of this and a potassium of that. Like I said, I keep it simple. I use an all-in-one solution. Big fan of the Tropica Specialised and there's other, there's other similar products out there now and i just deliberately overdose that and i don't dose it overdose it daily and then i do a big water change every week and i know that that is going to be more than enough for the plants and the plants are happy if as long as you give them too much they're happy it's when you don't give them enough that's when that's when you start running into trouble so yeah i keep it simple just enough light good co2 good circulation good nutrients good water changes good maintenance regime and it's, it sounds, might sound complicated, but that, that, that's, that's my secret to success, if you like. George, where do you see the hobby going in, in the next 10 years or so? That's a really tricky one. I mean, if we look at the last 10 years as an indication, maybe, you know, things now, would, at the higher end of the hobby, in, in terms of sort of contests, you know, we're seeing a lot more hardscape I refer back to Stephen Chong's interview with you guys, which is very, very interesting. You know, I think, the, and I won't spoil the, the podcast, people can have a listen to Stephen Chong himself because I thought he, he spoke with, I thought he's, he, you know, he's very, very fascinating. He's a really good guy. In fact, we go back to 2004, Stephen and I, when we both uh, were, on, uh, were on an old forum. But yes, hardscape dominating it, it is, is the trend at the moment. In 10 years' time, I just think things are just going to get better in terms of, uh, art, you know, artistic creativity, just more attention to detail. The diorama style, uh, for guys that don't know what that means, that's, you know, literally transferring that landscape scene underwater. Um, that's obviously very trendy at the moment whether that carries on for the next 10 years or so i'm not sure i'm kind of hopeful it might go almost back to basics in terms of actually trying to create an underwater environment for the fish so i'd like to see sort of more biotopy kind of styles uh, not necessarily mimicking a natural habitat but at least trying to invoke that underwater uh, world rather than a, a terrestrial world um, that, that's my personal taste whether I predict that will happen I, I don't know I think the, the diorama style is very popular and it's actually really popular with people that aren't already fish keepers because it's 
so refreshing and so new. Yeah, I think technology will help. You know, I'd like to see more advanced filtration systems, maybe filters with built-in CO2. Um, certainly more with built-in heaters would be nice, especially for the colder countries, obviously. LED lighting is getting really advanced now. So you've got the loopy LEDs, which has got zonal lighting. So you can actually pick out different areas of your tank where maybe you've got a, a red plant that you need to get more light over it. And then you've got Anubius, which obviously needs less light. So you can really kind of tailor your lighting perfectly for your setup. I think that, you know, lighting will obviously uh, evolve. So, yeah, lot, lots of exciting things, I think, in the pipeline. I would just love to see aquascaping getting more well-known in, in the in the fishkeeping industry. I don't know about the US necessarily, but in the UK, it's still very much a niche uh, side of the hobby. So in 10 years, I would love to see, you know, more aquascapers, especially in the UK. So, yeah. Would you ever consider pitching an idea to maybe the BBC or, or other networks uh, to create maybe some sort of television series or or special on aquascaping or something like that? Has that been anything uh, that you've kind of thought about at all? I'd, I'd love to. Um, in fact, I have been on TV. There's a, a show um, on Sky One, primetime show here in the UK, and it was called Pet Nation. It focused on on the UK sort of obsession with pets, and, and they had a slot about aquariums. And um, I got involved and kind of just talked about aquascaping, which was cool. And I set up a, an aquascape in the studio, and uh, so it kind of has been approached. Um, but yeah, it definitely would be an interesting thing to do. It, it's funny you should say that. A couple of weeks ago, I've got friends in the in the kind of publishing industry and the media industry, so it's something that might potentially happen. So yeah, watch this space. But yeah, definitely, definitely very cool. I'd, I'd love to see aquascaping getting more, not necessarily targeting other fish keepers but targeting a whole new audience so i think there's a, a big market for the more mature people that have retired from full full-time work they have a lot of disposable income a lot of time on their hands they might be into gardening already and i think aquascaping it would be very cool for them they can bring nature indoors and i think i think the female market as well could do with a bit of a boost um females love so to you know i'm generalizing but they like to have that nurturing instinct a lot of them and um the shrimp side of things they're particularly popular with females as well so yes there's, there's lots of room for for growth in the hobby uh, and obviously the media the tv it, it is a great outlet for that it'd be great to get it to the to the mass market for sure you excited about aquascaping and do you feel pressure to remain or to keep up with trends and to continually be innovative is, is that something that puts pressure on you um i guess pressure is, is a word but not adversely I, I do thrive on a little bit of pressure i think you need a little bit to kind of keep you uh, motivated I've thought about this a lot recently with in terms of contests. I've never actually scored that very highly in contests. And someone on Facebook made a really good comment that I'm not seen in that space as, as a high entry in a contest aquascaper. I'm kind of, you know, my passion is actually getting aquascaping out there for the whole world, and especially the UK, but the whole world to enjoy. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean keeping an aquascape secret. 
you know, for six months and then releasing one photo. You know, that's a totally different kind of ball game. And, and total respect to that. I'm not trying to um, say that's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's different to what's kind of my motivation. I do a lot of work for you know, Practical Fishkeeper magazine, and they obviously like to publish stuff that that is is fairly trendy. I did a, a bonsai underwater bonsai tree. Uh, aquascape fairly recently but it's something I probably wouldn't have chosen to done if it was my own choice but when you're commissioned to do something and you're kind of you know it's your job you kind of need to but that, that's a good thing I'm very open-minded and I always try try out new things there is a pressure to to create new aquascapes but it's a good pressure because I love doing it what's your favorite non-essential aquascaping tool that's a really good question. Um, non-essential aquascaping tool. I, I tell you, I'll tell you a little story uh, that I discovered yesterday, and this is probably my new favourite non-essential aquascaping tool. So I have—I don't know if you guys have seen it—and for, for the audience out there, I've got a uh, Evolution Aqua Twelve Hundred aquascape in in my living room. I'm lucky enough to kind of have two two living areas, and it's in, it's in one of them. And next to it, if anyone's on my Facebook account, um, they've probably seen this aquascape, and they've probably seen in situ shots of a TV next to it. Um, I've got Apple TV connected to this TV, and I've just realised I can use my iPhone and uh, screen mirror, so it's broadcasting onto the TV with with my iPhone as a remote camera. So I can now, uh, with my iPhone, go anywhere around the aquascape, and because it's open top, I can go over the top of the tank, I can even go behind it with my iPhone, and go anywhere I like in the aquascape using my iPhone as a camera, and it's broadcast onto this TV, and so I can see loads more detail uh, and, and kind of hard-to-reach areas of the aquascape via this, via this method. So, um, yeah, at the moment, that is my favorite non-essential aquascaping tool. That's awesome. I, you know what? I have Apple TV near mine as well, and I'm going to do that now. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really good. If you could only scape for the rest of your life with one size aquarium and one hardscape material and one plant, what would you choose and why? Oh, my goodness. Well, I'd probably go for a 60-centimeter, uh, two-foot. Do you know, um, I'm going to do a bit of a shameless plug. There's a new aquascaping range tank com- coming out very well. It's out right now. And one of the sizes is 60-centimeter by 50 front to back by 36 tall. So the 60 by 36 front pane is the same as the ADA 60P that aspect ratio which is perfect for aquascaping that ratio is is spot on for, for aesthetics but the thing with the ADA 60P it's only 30 centimetres front to back so it's quite limiting in terms of you know that footprint for aquascaping so this new this new range has is 50 centimetres front to back so that would be my the tank I would choose uh, hardscape material oh it's really tricky it would either be Syriou stone or a sort of gnarly sort of branchy driftwood I'll probably go for driftwood actually and the plant gee that's really God, got me in there, guys. it's tough when you only have one <laughs> yeah do you know what I'm going to go for something a bit different uh, the the new Bucephalandra mini needle leaf yeah because that is so cool it's, it's small textured you can do loads with it you can even plant it in the substrate you can attach it to wood very versatile slow growing low maintenance doesn't mean much light and it's beautiful 
Huh. Sounds like you would get along well in uh, Jay's imaginary aquascaper purgatory. <laughs> <laughs> And besides just being a nice family activity, what do you think children can learn from the hobby? Oh, loads. So uh, I think the biggest lesson is delayed gratification. I don't want to get on my high horse, but I think modern society really promotes instant gratification. I think we live in a society where you can get any, pretty much anything you want instantly. And, you know, that's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of it myself. But I think it's an important lesson for children to learn that you can't necessarily have what you want instantly. And it does take some care and attention and some nurturing. And you and you make mistakes along the way. You learn from them. And there's some lifelong lessons to, to learn from, from aquascaping. You know, you might struggle with a plant, but you persist. You might get algae, but you, you try, you change something and you know you'll you'll succeed and and you'll that sense of gratification actually is much greater if if you've had a lot of hardship getting it if you could buy a contest winning aquascape instantly and have that transported into your living room yeah that'd be great and you'd really enjoy it but would you enjoy it as much if you created it yourself over six months time definitely not you know and there's a bit as an old saying you know the journey is better than destination and i think that's a really important lesson for children to learn sometimes There's just a couple more things I I wanted to ask you, George. Um, First, any advice to someone who is interested in in getting hobbyists together? Um, You mentioned that you were one of the founders of of UCAPS, and I think maybe you could have some advice for hobbyists out there um, who are trying to gather hobbyists together or or or, uh, spread the hobby to other people. Um, You know, all of us live on the forums for the most part. Yeah. Um, but that personal involvement with other hobbyists is is really a great thing, and a lot of us don't have that. No, and it's trickier for you guys because you live in such a big country, don't you? So, yeah, like you say, it's really important for, for the physical get-togethers. Obviously, the initiation would, would occur probably online, so uh, forums are very popular still but I, I you know facebook groups are becoming very popular you know maybe search out a facebook group from from your area perhaps or create a facebook group and then just encourage local guys to get together online perhaps and then you can go down the, the channel of actually getting together in person I, I have to give a shout out to tom Barr because he he um actually gave a space on his forum the bar report back in 2007 for ucaps uh, he actually saw it a gap you know you saw the uk plant tank hobby was growing and he said guys why don't you start ucaps basically and, that, and that's why we do what we did so shout out to tom for that another option would be to approach maybe you've got a um a local fish store or either into aquascaping or they're not but perhaps if you if you see yourself as a fairly skilled aquascaper you might be able to offer your services so you could say how about I set a tank up for you? You can create a bit of an open day, perhaps encourage lots of new customers to your store. I'll, I'll set up the tank. You know, I'll chat to people while I'm doing it. You know, that, that's another good opportunity. You can use maybe use a, a retailer, a, a shop or a store as a vehicle for that physical get together. Yeah, there's lots of different avenues you can take. 
just be proactive and, and don't be don't be afraid. It's such a beautiful hobby. And, you know, I think you know the more people are in it, the better. Well, George, thank you so much for doing this uh, this interview with us. You know, it's been an honor. And, uh, you know, this has just been so cool for me to sit here and talk to you. Just a, a little personal story about myself. I, I didn't even know what aquascaping was a year ago. So this, for me, has just been a crazy journey. And here I am sitting uh, talking with you, and you were, were one of my first uh, influences, big influences. So this has just been an honor for me. So thank you for coming on the show and, and talking with us. Oh, you're welcome, Jay. Keep up the great work. I mean, for, for a guy that's only been doing it a year, you've got this podcast, which is great. So congratulations and um, enjoy the journey. To find out more information about George Farmer, you can check him out on Facebook. Just search for George Farmer, the Aquascaper. He's on Twitter and Instagram at the Aquascaper, or you can look him up on YouTube. Just search for George Farmer. He's also the co-founder of UCAPS. You can find him there at ucaps.org slash forum. Joining us next week is a very familiar voice to a lot of you out there. The longer I'm in it, the more I appreciate really the beauty of all of the aspects associated with planted aquariums. So stay tuned for our next episode, our interview with the former host of the Scape Food Podcast, a very knowledgeable, encouraging, and inspirational voice in the aquascaping world, Art Panam. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Aquascaping Podcast. Don't forget to check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. Send in your questions and comments to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. You can subscribe and rate on iTunes, and we're also now broadcasting on Stitcher Radio. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next time. Time